Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at real You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a beautiful gift to a little girl leaves her with an ever-increasing sense of fear. But is it the gift that holds something sinister or is it someone else in the home? After waking to the sound of a television, one listener finds a being that has settled in to watch a show. While house-sitting for his grandfather, a man is visited in the middle of the night by a room full of shadow people. And on his way home from work, a listener nearly hits a man with his truck, but there is reason to question if this was truly a man at all. Those stories, your calls, and more today... On Real Ghost Stories Online, Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. Interesting, a, sh- a ghost watching a television show. Yeah. I don't know what he was watching. You know, I, I've always kind of, I've thought of that, um, of one of those things of, you know, what if you had a, I would be very troubled if I had a, a terminal illness of some sort. And I knew I was going to kick it before, like, the next season of a show I was really anticipating started. You would come back to see your show? I think I would. Okay. I'd be very interested. I mean, it would really suck. I mean, I wonder if you can do, like, a make-a-wish on that. <laughs> like, hi, I'm 58 years old, and I'd really like to see what happens in The Walking Dead. Because <laughs> I'm not going to make it to the next season. <laughs> do they do they do make-a-wish for adults? No. Okay. Not then, that I'm aware of. I mean, there, there may be some sort of society. There may be something that does something of the sort. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But I know Make a Wish, Make a Wish, the foundation for sure. children does not do adult wishes. But I still bet they'd keep it under <laughs> under wraps. I think that's where you uh, you find a, a a child that's in a bad situation too, and then you you pay the family a lot of money. Like here, we're going to give you tons and tons of money, and uh, and little Jimmy, we're going to have a great time. We're going to go on this great trip, and but Jim, when you pay for Jimmy's wish, uh-huh. if it's like go to Disney World or something, so you buy Jimmy's wish, but then Jimmy has to ask Make a Wish to find out what happens in the rest of the season of Walking Dead. You know, if if it was Walking Dead specifically, I bet. They would let you be a extra, be a zombie in one of the episodes, and that way you kind of sure. get to feel what's going to happen. I wonder if things like that ever happen with TV shows. Probably. Where somebody's like, you know, I mean, because it would be very, I mean, obviously there's a lot more important things than what happens in a TV show in your, in your death, but, you know, just, it's one of those little things in life that you enjoy. Yeah. And you want to, you know, I wonder if they would ever, or if they ever do that sort of thing. If somebody says, you know... 
I know I'm not going to make it here to the end of Breaking Bad when that was about to end. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, if there's something where, okay, we'll let you, if, if the shows are done, uh, it's not going to come out for another six months. But if you sign this non-disclosure, we'll let you see them. If you've got a terminal cancer and you're contacting Breaking Bad, <laughs> I, okay. that's just there's sick cra- irony. There is. <laughs> There is, but there's crazier letters that I've gotten working in radio. Yeah, but that's just wrong. Yeah, it is. It is, <laughs> but it happens, and I'm I'm just I've seen it all for like letters from for this or for that for people with really basically terminal situations. Asking uh, when I was working in commercial radio, a lot of people had this misguided idea that we had these contacts to certain people and certain things that we did not actually have. Sure. Um, asking if we could do this or that where you as the person who does not have the illness would read this going, I'm kind of uh, shocked that this is on your mind being what's going on in your life. But uh-huh. then you kind of take a step back going, this is just normal life for this person though, too. I mean, they can't always be focusing on, death yeah they want to focus on something fun for the little bit of time they have left um but uh i I would have to imagine that has to be a request sometimes i would imagine so be interesting if anyone knows the answer to that i know we have like some tv people who listen to our show producers and such so i'd be very interested to hear if anyone's ever gotten a request like that for a a unreleased fairly popular show or something of that sort that really you know doesn't want to be leaked out if they ever do that for those sort of situations yeah it'd be interesting anyhow enough about that 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at real ghost stories online of course you can also write in to share your story with us on our website real ghost stories online.com just click tell us your ghost story and we'll uh, get your ghost story on the air here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's kick off the show today with uh, Matt's Madison. Uh, Madison writes in, uh, first off, I'm a fairly scatterbrained, so I apologize in advance if my story kind of jumps around everywhere. Important details I want to add. I'm a very spiritual person. I've been raised in the church, and I take my beliefs to heart. I have the idea that there is some form of life after death. What kind of life seems very undetermined, but there is something out there to discover. Since I was very young, I've always felt kind of in tune with the energies around me, meaning I have a good gut feeling when something is out of place in my environment. So my story really begins on my fourth birthday. My parents had a present custom made for me. It was this porcelain doll. She was very pretty in my younger eyes, with a long white dress, bright glass eyes, fake blonde hair, and she stood a tad less than two feet tall. This must have been like prior to uh, American Girl and their doll customization days. Probably so. I enjoyed looking at her since I wasn't allowed to play with her very often because kiddos tend to be pretty hard on toys, and needless to say, she cost a pretty penny, or pennies. I kept her in my room for a while, but over time, I, it started to become very afraid of this doll. Something about her was making me feel very uneasy, like if I wasn't watching it closely, this doll was going to hurt me. Eventually, I grew so paranoid of her that I stopped going in my room completely and slept with my parents' room every night for a long time. Obviously, my parents grew tired 
of the company and moved the damn thing into my little playroom on a high shelf where she was displayed. Every time I went into that playroom, I could feel eyes watching me. Something was just making me extremely nervous to where, if I had to get something out of that room, I'd run in and run right back out, slamming the door behind me. I had nightmares and never really was fully relaxed at home anymore. I was always feeling like something wasn't right in my home since that doll was gifted to me. Eventually, my parents saw how afraid she was making me and got rid of her. Where she went, I have no idea. I think my parents shrugged it off as being some weird childhood fear because of a wild imagination, which does sound logical. Looking back, I'm sure that's what it seemed like, but as I've gotten older, I've come to learn that around the same time of me receiving and getting rid of this doll, my father was having some issues involving his faith in God. Apparently, he had a nightmare some short time after my birthday. In my father's dream, he told me that he was being strangled by this thing. It had a figure of a human that was completely black and had yellow eyes. He stated that they were almost like cat eyes, but in his dream, this black figure was speaking to him. If I recall correctly, my dad had preached a sermon maybe a day or two before his dream, and in this sermon, he made the mistake of calling the devil stupid. From what I've been told, the figure that was strangling my dad was yelling, how dare you call me stupid, or something along those lines. I can't remember the exact words that were said. He also told me that for a while after his dream, he felt as if he was being watched by something, like something was there to try to do his family harm. Coincidentally, this is around the time the doll was starting to frighten me. I've come to the conclusion that the doll I was absolutely terrified of wasn't possessed, but that I was just feeling the uneasy energy surrounding my home, and I thought the cause of this energy was the doll, and that all the chaos that was happening along with the feeling of being in danger was because of this thing. But now that I'm older and better educated, I feel as if I was just reacting as a young kid would to the evil energies around me. I'd appreciate some thoughts and opinions on the weird period in my life that I've put together as I've learned new things. The paranormal is something that interests me a great deal, as well as religion and other spiritual outlets. I love listening to all the stories that you guys share on your podcast, and hopefully I'll be able to become an EPP soon. I hope my story will be one to share. Thanks, guys, and keep doing what you all are doing. I'm loving it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't really... I don't believe in coincidence. So I think that there could be something that was attached to the doll that came into the home that maybe spurred the nightmares with the dad and his anger that went on. Mm -hmm. You know, I I just can't think that these two things happened at the same time. I mean, they probably did happen at the same time, but I can't think they're not related. I don't know. I could really just see it being that there was something going on with the dad and just the dark energies that may have been surrounding him at that moment in time. And then this person being kind of an empath about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just, you know, logical what's changed in your environment, what may have caused this. Oh, we got the doll right when this started happening. Just the timing of it. And dolls are creepy. Dolls are creepy. 
Um, so I could see that just being the object that you go, that's creepy. Well, there's some dark energy that feels to be around here now that happened around the same time. Must be the doll. I would make that logical conclusion, whether or not the doll had anything to do with it or not when I'm a kid. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of feel like the doll maybe is just really nothing to do with it. It just happens to be there at that time. Just because they're creepy. That's just my opinion on it. I don't know. No, it could probably go either way. I mean, very likely there is the other chance there. Yeah. I just I just think if there's something that was going on with the dad that... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the two are that that connected. I don't know. It's one of those... It would be more interesting to see if, if they got rid of the doll at a certain point if suddenly everything changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. As a girl, were you creeped out by dolls as a kid? Like, you know, porcelain dolls? American dolls don't creep me out. Uh, or the American girl dolls don't creep me out. But, but the old school porcelain ones do. No. I had four porcelain dolls. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, two of them were redheads, which is ironic. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and they were really pretty. They didn't creep me out. Now, one of them has since gone to our eight-year-old, mm-hmm. and she has that thing face the wall most of the time. Is <laughs> she creeped out by it? I think so. <laughs> um, but the other three are in various places, and I don't... No, I never was creeped out. I always no. wanted one, and my first one looked like a baby. It actually looked... It has red hair. It was the one in the yellow dress that looks like Harper yeah. as a baby. Yeah. And no, never got any bad vibes out of them. I was always terrified I was going to break it. That's what scared me most about okay. the porcelain doll, was getting in trouble for breaking it. What about... Okay, I can understand you getting them as gifts and, like, loving them mm-hmm. as, you know, it's yours. Okay. What about dolls that were not yours? What about other porcelain dolls that were just out there, whether they're at a friend's house or you saw them at a store? or were you? Did you ever have a creepy vibe about porcelain dolls is what I should ask? Not till I was an adult. Really? No. As a kid, no. No? Okay. Because, I mean, I, maybe it's because I'm a boy. I don't know. but I liked all dolls when I was a kid. Porcelain dolls just creep me out. Yeah. They still do to this day. I don't know why. I mean, some more than others, obviously, but I, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. The eyes or something. I, I think that might be it just because they're so... The eyes, more than anything, seem more lifelike than mm-hmm. most other toys. Sure. I think maybe that would be the thing that, I guess, got me. Yeah. I, I really couldn't put my, my finger on it for sure, but... Yeah, anyhow. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook, Twitter. Your support, of course, is what keeps our show alive and allows it to grow. Uh, Alicia writes in, uh, Disclaimer, I am a very wordy person. So this will probably be a long story. Years and years ago, about 20 of my extended family spent a week at a beach house in the outer banks of North Carolina. They had all arrived a few days before us, and my mom, brother, and I came after. It was your standard beach house, but the room my mom and I were given had an eerie feeling to it that I picked up as soon as I stepped inside. I felt almost like there was something lurking and watching us. It didn't feel hostile, but the presence definitely wanted to be felt. I was creeped out, but sort of chalked it up to my imagination going crazy. After an erroneous car ride, 
That night, we were all getting ready for bed, and I was hanging out reading and waiting for my turn to brush my teeth. I had brought my soccer ball with me, as my brother and I were huge jocks growing up, and I had left it in the laundry basket. On the corner of my eye, I saw the soccer ball roll from one side of the basket to the other. Even though I got that watchful feeling in the room again, I figured that the ball was just on an uneven surface in the basket and rolled. This is probably true. However, it set me on edge for the evening. Things really picked up that same night. Every time I almost slid off to sleep, I felt like something unnatural was pulling me back to wakefulness. After ignoring it a few times, it started to feel like this pull to reality was was helped along by what I can only explain as forceful pressure on my chest and stomach, like something was pressing down as soon as I started to drift off. The next morning, I was absolutely freaked out. I ended up spending the night listening to music in denial. I told my mom about it to see if she dealt with anything similar, but she told me that she didn't. Unfortunately, two of my younger cousins heard and, not wanting to miss out over the next few days, started reporting paranormal occurrences that I seriously doubt happened. The subsequent night, as we were getting ready for bed, my mom was tearing the room apart looking for her purse. We couldn't find it anywhere, and no one else had seen it. We told them if they find it after we go to bed to just leave it by our door. She straightened the room back up and we went to bed. The next morning, my mom told me that something had kept her up the entire night. Walking circuits around the house. She said that at one point she came back to the room and and looked at me but couldn't recognize who I was. In the morning, we found her purse sitting on top of our now closed suitcase and no one would fess up to putting it in our room. Not much happened after that. One of my aunts, who we hadn't told about anything that was happening, said that she had felt a presence and saw a shadowy figure early one morning while she was cooking. That all was really the bulk of our experiences. Honestly, even though the presence freaked my mom and I out, I felt more curious than anything. My mom and I agreed that it felt like a young person looking to play. Since it was a rental beach house that none of us had ever been to before, we couldn't really ask around if someone had previously died in the house, but I think the proximity to the beach uh, acted as a conduit for the lost soul of a young child. Sorry for how long that story was, but it was the most intense paranormal event that I've ever experienced to date. I love your show. Can't wait to listen to more episodes. I know I'm guilty of this. Whenever we hear of, you know, a a story, which is every day, but Mm -hmm. where they say they want to find out what happened there or everything, do you really need to know to verify that there's a haunting or can you know like their experience I would think that that's just enough and especially being a rental that would be a lot of work to Mm -hmm. find out if somebody had died there or something happened or maybe not even died there maybe it was a child that used to come there that loved it Mm -hmm. and decided that's where it wanted to haunt well maybe it's not necessarily a matter of verifying that they had a paranormal experience it's more so just the curiosity of 
of what, who? What caused it, who it is. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I'd really need that to verify, oh, this really happened to me because X situation happened there. I'd just be curious to know what situation, if any, did happen there. You know, and who is that person? Why are they there? Sure. That's, that's where I'd be coming from on it. What made me uh, kind of uh, think about something that I've always kind of wondered about was where she said that the mom uh, looked at her in the middle of the night and didn't recognize her. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard that end of things in a lot of more so dark cases where the individual uh, like almost physically transforms. Okay. One of the most famous ones is, of course, Amityville, where uh, George claims that Kathy completely, essentially, physically transformed into what looked like a very demoness-esque old woman, mm-hmm. an old hag, mm-hmm. if you will, in the middle of the night. Um, and then by morning, she was back to herself. What I wonder about when, when there's actual physical transformations of people, not not like a ghost appearing or anything like that, but just the living human being not appearing to be themselves physically. Okay. Is the person or has the person actually changed or is that just from the eyes of the beholder? Is, is, is there something that's masking that person to the person viewing them? Or have they literally physically changed? See, I think with them, and when I say them, I mean entities in general. With their masters of manipulation and optical illusion, I would yeah. I would just lay money that they are changing what you're seeing and not necessarily causing a temporary transformation or shape shift or whatever. Yeah, I would think like the physical changing mm-hmm. would cause far too much damage to the actual cell structure of a human being yeah. to be suddenly undone. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, it goes away, but then you have like probably scars and loose skin and you stretch marks so. and all that. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I've always wondered about that because there, I think the thought process is when you initially hear that is, oh, that person really physically changed. I mean, that's what I always thought when I heard the Amityville story. Mm-hmm. But the more I hear stories like that, the more I'm like, eh, maybe that person really did not physically change in real life, mm-hmm. but the the person viewing saw a mask essentially put over their eyes to that person. That's what I would think. Yeah. Interesting. And that's, I don't know, that kind of makes that story a little weirder than just, oh, there's a little boy haunting this house. Yeah, I got the feeling that it was something more than just a child, or it it was something pretending to be innocent like a child. Mm-hmm. When that sort of thing happens, it's not necessarily usually just innocent Jimmy. Now, what do you think about the... They brought up the ocean possibly sure. being a conduit, being so close. I think that makes a lot of sense. You hear so many stories of homes that are on water, surrounded by water, something to do with water. Sure. Insert water here. Um we had one the other night we were talking about where that where, where I brought that exact the hot same, springs yeah hot springs yeah okay where it's like essentially like a battery pack sitting right there for energy okay I would think that that kind of plays the same role if you're right there on the water it makes sense I just never thought of the ocean that sure. way <laughs> I wonder if salt water even more than fresh water I, I mean I, I is there a difference as far as energy and being a conduit I don't know 
I would think so. I, yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Hey, if you haven't already done so, please press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. That way you won't miss any episode of the show. Help us grow the show as well. Joaquin White writes in, uh, Hey, Tony and Jenny, I'd like to start by saying that I think I'm obsessed with your show. I've been listening to your podcasts every single night and have made up a little game with myself, being that I have to fall asleep before you guys get into horror stories. <laughs> so you listen to our banter and then hopefully yeah. you fall asleep before the banter. And then... Or before the banter ends. And apparently listens to the rest of the story during daylight. Okay. <laughs> so for Joaquin's sake, we have to make sure we have a decent amount of banter so he can fall asleep. <laughs> A lot of people want to kill you for that one, Joaquin. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, stop the banter, go right to the stories. It's funny because we have like half the audience, it's like more banter, half is like less banter. It's like, well, happy medium, happy medium for everybody. <laughs> 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 Meaning I have those few minutes of chatter to knock myself out. I make sure to listen to the rest of the podcast during the day, though. Anyways, getting into the story, this is my first paranormal experience. Must have been nine or ten years old when this happened. But one night, I'd been awoken by the sound of a television. I'd assumed that my brothers had woken up for school. They had to be awake around 5 a.m. to start school around 6.30 a.m. I decided to get out of bed to see the television, and the lights turned on. Then I looked over to the couch to see a male figure sitting down. The man was wearing a suit and had no hair found myself staring at the strange figure for about 10 seconds, not knowing what to do or say. And before my eyes, the man had turned from facing the television to me. The man had no face, but I felt like I was being death-stared. I quickly ran back to bed and went back to sleep, not daring to find out what had just happened. I remember waking up the next morning confused. I told my family about this, and they all just thought I was being stupid. To this day, none of them believe me. A few years later, I've moved countries and told my friends about it. None of them seemed to believe it either, which made me think, what if this whole experience was just a dream? Definitely did not feel like it. To this day, I still do not know whether that was a dream or I really saw something out of the ordinary. I visited the house about two years ago and were very close with our neighbors to find out that that exact house had been turned into a church of some sort. I have another experience in this house, but this time around, other members of the family happened to see this figure too. One member even having a physical encounter with it. I'd love to share this story, and I hope you guys get keen on, on it too. Love the show. Keep up the good work. And unfortunately, I'm not an EPP as I'm I'm an unemployed teenager with a few cents in my bank account. Definitely uh, planning on it, though. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work, Joaquin. I'm afraid there's just no way to know by what we were given if it was a dream or not. You know, because usually there's little tells that Mm -hmm. we can figure out whether or not it was something that happened or something that was dreamt. Either way, terrifying. Have you ever been so confused by a dream that you really did not know into the day if it was a dream or not? Into the day? Into the next day. Like, did you ever have a a dream where you dreamed, for example, um, and this this did not happen to me, but I'm just going to throw an example out there. 
uh, let's say I, I, I dreamt that I got up in the middle of the night, went into the bathroom, and then saw something in the mirror. My fear. Uh-huh. Okay? Freaked out, go back to bed. Fall asleep, wake up in the morning. Wake up the next day going, did that really happen, or was that a dream? Have you ever had... And that did not happen to me. But I'm, I'm just saying, if that happened... I guess that would be a situation where I really would be questioning it. Sure. Have you ever had a situation like that where you had to, where you really felt like you were questioning whether or not you actually dreamed something or it was reality? No, because my dreams are so weird. I mean, they are always beyond reality. Okay. To where the closest thing I've had happen that's like that is where I've had a dream that was somewhat real. Or, I mean, it was very real, but it was somewhat believable, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I'd wake up and I'd realize, oh, thank God, that was just a dream. Mm -hmm. Um, But not something that, like your instance where you're still debating into the next day whether or not it was a dream. I always know Mm -hmm. from the time I woke up that it was a dream. I've had it where, I mean, in order for that to happen, it'd have to be like something along the timeline of night. Uh-huh. For me to even question it, of like, was this a dream? Because I've had that, where it's like, I'm, I'm drumped, I've woken up, got out of bed, went and did some stuff, and came back. Um, and it was all a dream. Uh-huh. Um, so it would have to be within that timeline. I have had dreams, though, where I'm settling in, like, in a place or a time or something, and I do wake up, and I'm in a conscious state going, did I actually go there? Is this, like... Have I been to that place before? Like, is this based on something? And there's been some times where it's been like in a very obscure place or something that I, in fact, had been to. Usually it's like a reflection of something in very early childhood. Mm-hmm. Like a restaurant or something of that nature. Um, but there's some like where I'll, I'll, I'll have a dream and I'll wake up from the dream and I'll have been in a setting. And I'm like, gosh, I feel like I visit that place a lot. Uh-huh. Um, or, or I had visited that place a long time ago. And it will have actually been a dream where I went back to a setting that I dreamed about like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, bam, I was just back there again. That's very bizarre to me. Just so you can have like these little, it's like you have little worlds in your mind. Yeah, you do. Of, of areas that are all set up and ready to go whenever you want to visit them. <laughs> They're right there waiting for you. I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know. I did one time as a child, and I was very little. I dreamt I got up and went to the bathroom, and instead, <laughs> I got up and slept, walked, opened the refrigerator door. Do you want to share this part of the story? I opened the refrigerator door, and I sat down and peed <laughs> in the bottom part of the fridge. That's not Kool-Aid in the ice cube trays. No. Thank goodness my mom found me. I didn't, like, close the door and, like, crawl in there or anything. That would have been bad. Yeah. But whatever possessed me to sleepwalk to the fridge, open the fridge, and pee in it was make you think the. Did you think the fridge door was the The bathroom bathroom door? Maybe, I don't know. But I, I told my mom that I got up and went to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She's like, "No, you got up and went to the fridge, went to the bathroom." (laughs) That was great. You sure you want me to put this in the show? You want me to go back and edit this, or you? (laughs) I'm an open book. (laughs) Make a great outtake for our outtake show at some point. We'll just leave it in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sachin. Is it Sachin? Yeah. Sachin. Sachin writes in, hi, y'all. First of all, uh, 
Look, he said hi all, and I made it y'all. Look at that. Look at you. You're crossing over. Jeez. <laughs> hi all. First of all, I want to say that I love your show. I'm subscribed to many podcasts, but yours seems to be the only one I'm listening to. It's like observing an ancient uh, uh, an accident while driving. Uh, while uh, you do know you shouldn't just slow down to look, but you're drawn in. Since listening to your show, it's brought back memories from my childhood about strange happenings that occurred, but I brushed them off thinking it was uh, uh, my overactive imagination or I dismissed because I didn't want to believe. Ignorance is bliss. I want to share those stories with you another day. However, first I'd like to share with you a story that happened to my brother-in-law. This one sticks because it's so believable now that I look back on events in his life around the time he was experiencing what he did. I'm originally from the UK, recently immigrated to Canada, so the story takes place in England. I was a new member to my wife's family and being introduced to each member, I took them for who they were at the time, as in their personalities and characters. When I was introduced to my brother-in-law named Anil, he uh, seemed reserved, jittery, and down. He often needed a drink to perk out. I thought nothing of it, although I was told he was not always like this. A couple of years passed, and the more I got to know Anil, I noticed his personality and character dramatically change. He changed into a confident and energetic individual. One evening, he came over for dinner, and after a few drinks, he shared his story with us. Two years prior, he was asked by his grandfather, who lived in a nursing home, to come by and house-sit while his grandfather took a vacation to India. His nursing home was a two-bedroom detached home that was housed within a community of other old people homes. Since it was down south in the country in Derbyshire, Anil decided to spend a weekend there where he could escape the nagging wife and just have some solitude. He arrived on a Friday evening, having been at work that morning and spending most of his afternoon driving. Needless to say, he was tired by the time he reached the house. While unpacking his uh, rucksack sack in the spare bedroom, he heard the toilet flush. He immediately went to the toilet thinking one of his grandfather's friends had come over. However, he saw no one. However, he did see the toilet bowl refilling with water. Thinking nothing of this and putting it down to some plumbing issue, he dismissed it and went to watch some TV in the living room. At this point, I should add, these housing units were fairly new builds, so putting the encounter and others to follow down to faulty plumbing or electrical wiring can be questionable. The same evening, while in the sin and semi-engaged uh, on what he was watching, the living room lights switched off. He went to investigate the switch, which was literally five feet away from him, and he saw it was in the down or off position. Again, he dismissed this. I should also add, Anil is the eldest of three brothers, has a military background, although he has never seen real battle. He's a macho kind of guy, so he's dismissing this or trying to debunk it. In his mind, it sounds very much like him, or from what I was told about his character. That night before he went to sleep, he took out his uh, socks for the next day, folded each one into a little ball, and placed each one in each of his trainers. Weird, I know, but this is a habit that he has had since childhood. He awoke the next morning after a good night's sleep. After washing up, he went to get dressed and noticed his socks weren't in his shoes. They were laid flat on the dresser table and laid flat as if they had been ironed. 
He put this down to maybe he did this by mistake, having been so tired the night before. He was in and out of the house all day and said each time he was in the house, he felt an uncomfortable feeling of being watched. He heard the toilet flushing a few more times throughout the day and definitely put this down to a technical problem with the toilet. He mentally told himself to inform his grandfather to call a plumber in. That evening, he went to bed. However, this time, he consciously made sure he rolled his tomorrow socks into balls and placed them in his shoes. He said he woke up in the middle of the night, opened his eyes, and while noticing the room dark, his eyes had adjusted enough to see many people or shadows in his room. As his mind adjusted from sleep to reality, he rose up his top half and began to say, Hello? Then there was a man sitting on his bed next to Anil. He asked Anil who he was. Anil told him he was the grandson of Deepak Shah. And then the man asked Anil why he was there. Anil told him that Anil asked who he was, and the man said, We are 69. We can get rid of you if we want to, but we won't. But we can if we want to. Then the man kept repeating his questions to Anil. Who are you and what are you doing here? Anil gave the same answers, and each time he asked anything about him or them, he was told the same thing. We are 69 and we can get rid of you if we want to. Anil doesn't remember falling asleep again. However, when he woke, he shrugged it off as a weird dream. However, when he went to get dressed again, his socks were laid flat on the dresser table as if at this moment he decided to leave a day earlier. He didn't even wait around to have breakfast. While driving back home, he was trying to debunk the whole thing. However, each time he did, he'd arrive at another question, like maybe some of his grandfather's friends came over that evening, but how would they get in because he double-checked the front door from inside? While driving on the motorway, he suddenly pulled over to the hard shoulder and burst into tears. He said he sat there and sobbed like he has never done before. He went home, and over the few weeks had passed, his wife and my wife noticed a difference within him. He went for counseling, and it was discovered he was suffering from depression after that incident. His therapist told him that entities sap your energy, and it leaves you feeling drained, and this is what causes depression. It took him six months to come out of this after continuous counseling. That night, when he shared his story, he was in denial and dismissing everything again. Could have been him feeling off or expressions and feeling somewhat embarrassed, or he could have just buried that whole incident deep enough to think it never really happened. He did follow up with his grandfather about the house and if he encountered anything strange to which the grandfather said no. I didn't think much of this story, before recently, ever since I've started listening to your show, I didn't know about shadow people. My thoughts now are maybe those entities did not like Anil being in that house. Maybe they'd accepted the grandfather, but did not like another person being there. What I'm left confused about is why would a grown man screw his socks uh, in, up into balls and put them in his shoes? <laughs> I'm going to sign up to become an EPP member shortly. Thanks again, Sachin. I agree. The biggest mystery there is the socks. I thought it was a really great story, but the part that really caught me was that when Anil 
told the counselor about what happened, mm-hmm. he seemed to be fairly educated <laughs> on how entities and energy levels are affected by en- entities. They're more enlightened in Canada. Well, I just thought it was great <laughs> that it was not only an accepting counselor, sure. but one that seemed to, you know, be like, well, this makes sense because of this. Sure. I thought that was great. A little more understanding on the topic. I noticed that too. Yeah. I've, we've never had a story like that. Not that we've ever had one's paint counselors as bad, but we just haven't had an openly accepting. Yeah. I mean, the most oftentimes we just hear the stories of people who are, I'm not going to tell this to a therapist or a counselor because I don't want my children taken away or, yeah. you know, or Which being locked up. Happen. Or, no, but you, you get those, the hesitation. Sure. You know, the stories there. Um, where I, it's a shame because I think there's, I mean, that's not that I think, I know, just judging by the stories we get on a daily basis, there's a lot of completely normal, functional people who have these things happen to them. They don't discriminate. It, it happens to normal people that, you know, if they could get some help and some guidance and some counseling, you know, one-on-one, would probably be able to get through it a lot better. I mean, our show is kind of it. <laughs> I know. As far as, um, you know, being really the community that's that exists on this topic. So until that happens, which, you know, I don't think that it, it's going to anytime soon, quite honestly. I think over time, this is be, be more and more of an open topic and more and more accepted. But I think we're still quite a ways off from that world existing. Yeah. Until then, we exist. We're here. <laughs> so you can always write in or uh, or call your story in. Uh, without judgment and uh, we'll share our thoughts and ideas and of course our community will uh, as well up on our message board uh, at realghoststoriesonline.com Timothy writes in hey guys I hope this email finds you well and in good spirit I'll call the story the roadside ghost as I was returning home one late night at 3am for the haunted factory it's a very long incline on the way to my home this hill is about a mile long when it peaks, and the downhill side is very long. On this particular night, I crested this peak, and to my surprise, there was a man standing on the right side of the road, on the white line. His feet were well into the road. I drove a big old truck, and I'm certain there was 12 inches or less between him and my truck. Because he was behind the peak, I did not see him. As I approached the peak, I was shocked. He was facing the center of the road with his body at a 45-degree angle. As I passed him, he did not flinch. He did not turn his head or even look in my direction. Strangely, as I drove away from him, I kept watching him in my rearview mirror. As I descended the hill, I watched him for about a half mile, and he never moved, not his head, feet, or body position. He was like a statue. He was dressed in a black suit, white shirt, buttoned up to the neck with no tie. He was a young fellow with dark hair and had no expression on his face. Got a very clear, close look at him as I was driving with my brights on. He did not blink or close his eyes as my lights blasted past him. I have no idea what he was or what he was doing there. The road is a state route and in a very rural area. There's no sidewalks, and houses are few and far between. All the years I've lived out here and since then, I've never seen anyone walking that road at that time of the night. There were no broken-down cars near the area. Was he a drunk or a stoner? Possibly. But 
He had no involuntary reactions to my lights or wind blowing off my truck. Did not even see his clothes flutter. Was he a ghost, ghoul, possibly an E.T.? I think so. What his purpose was and what he was, I'll let you decide. Sincerely and respectfully, Tim. Okay. Would a ghost have, with the wind of a truck going by, would you see, like, the shirt move or anything like that? I'm going to say no. Okay. That's just something I've never thought about. Yeah, I, I, I really, I don't think so. I don't think they're necessarily affected by anything physical. It was probably a ghost then. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with you saw a ghost. I mean, that's that seems to be the um, the obvious answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, and it's not so much, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally, you know, I give him credit for thinking of what could have been this, could have been that. You got to think of those logical possibilities of what could also be out there at night. But um, the fact of the, not even necessarily the the physical clothes flooding or anything, but no physical reaction. Oh, yeah. When you're that close to a truck, I don't care how drunk, how stoned, how whatever you are, you're going to have some form of a reaction. And and like he said, involuntary. There's things that you do that you yeah. don't even realize you're going to do. Exactly. I mean... No matter what you're on, your body will somehow react to it, mm-hmm. whether it be delayed, whether it be even over-exaggerated in some of those situations, um, more so than you would be if you were completely stone-cold sober, you know? Yeah. Um, you would have some sort of reaction. So, I'm going to go with it was, you saw a ghost. I agree. And not necessarily go with E.T., I'm going to go with ghost. Yeah. So. Thank you for sharing that story. Creepy images conjured up in my mind as I you know, just <laughs> just the bright lights because you can picture when you go down the road. If you've ever driven by anybody walking at night, yeah, with your brights on or lights on, and you're, it's it's a very it's kind of a haunting sight. Just the they're un, seeing reactions to people too. Mm-hmm. Just you know, their eyes, their you know face. It's very quick, but creepy to think about. Just a stoic figure there. Mm-hmm. Not making any sort of movement whatsoever. Thanks for writing in. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Nicole in Ohio. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Jenny and Jenny. My name is Nicole, and I live outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, in a little town called Hamilton, Ohio. Um, my family has lived on a road called Montuse Road um, since the late 70s. And if you were to look up that road, it's got... Um, ton of activity on there. My parents' home, they have actually have two houses of 40 acres, and um, it's very haunted. It has been all of our lives. Um, but the story I'm going to share with you today actually occurred um, at the Ohio State Reformatory, which is in Mansfield, Ohio. Um, it is open for tours now. It closed, I think, in the late 80s, early 80s, sometime around there. But it's actually used now for um, historical purposes. And you can also take ghost tours of the building. Uh, it's a pretty famous building. It was probably most notably used in the Shawshank Redemption. So there's a lot of tours surrounding the movie. Um, it's kind of put on the map as far as being a tourist destination. But it's a very, very cool place. Um, they have a great website also uh, where you can see pictures and things like that. Um, my story takes place in the fall of 2002, so it's been a few years ago. Um, myself, 
um, my brother, whose name is Jason, and my sister-in-law, whose name is Heather, um, signed up for one of the overnight ghost hunts. And it's the first and only time we've ever done anything like that. Um, we've been on like the touristy ones in Gettysburg and Savannah and Chicago um, and things like that. But we've never actually done something where we spent the night and, you know, tried to document um, activity. But there, on any given night, there's 50 people that are allowed. At this time, there are 50 people allowed uh, to spend the night. And that sounds like a lot, but this place is huge. Um, there's actually two homes connected to the outside of the penitentiary, and it's where, like, the warden lived and um, where there was offices. And if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, it's where the warden's office, who ends up um, shooting himself, it's where his office is. Um, but then there's two cell blocks, and at the time it was built, and for much of its existence, it was the biggest cell blocks in the world. They're called the East and the West cell blocks. And each one is four stories high and the length of four football fields. And when you walk into where the cell blocks are, it's, the cell blocks are separated by this huge open lobby. And it almost looks like a dance hall um, if it wasn't used for a prison. Um, I think now actually they do have receptions there. So each cell block is separated by this large room and you can go up to the top of each cell block and explore. You'd spend all night there exploring. It's, it's that big. Um, there's no electricity in the building except where the two houses were on the front. Um, so you walk around all night long exploring with a flashlight and any other instruments that you would bring. For, for our tour, we had with us a video camera that my brother had purchased. He was doing commercial filming and things like that at the time. It was a brand new camera. It was maybe two or three weeks old at the time. And he had purchased two of them. He only took one. We each had a flashlight, a, a little small digital camera, and um, a digital recorder, which I had in my hand. So we had been there a few hours, and we had been walking around. And, you know, I, we hadn't really experienced anything. It definitely felt sad, um, especially, like, in solitary confinement. I wouldn't go down there. It was just it was a little much. So we had been there for a while, and we had been walking around in the dark, and we decided that we would go up to the top of the cell block. The east cell block is the one we went up first. And the cell blocks, there's two sides you could go up. And they were exactly like a block. So there were two sets of cells facing out. And then between the cells, there was like a catwalk where the guards could have cut through if they needed to, um, to get from one side to the other but there was no access to those anymore. The doors were padlocked, we couldn't get back there. So really it was just around, we would walk around the block and each side was four football fields long. And on one side you access it, it was like a, a staircase that you would find in a building. It kind of crisscrossed each other, had a landing, then it went up again, had a landing, so on. But on the other side was a spiral staircase that went up um, on the far side of the cell block. We ended up going up the spiral staircase. So we get to the top, which is four stories high, and we get to the top of the staircase, and my brother, I hear him, like, kind of muttering stuff to himself, and, you know, I turn around, and his camera has stopped completely. And before we got there, it was completely charged, new batteries, new, I, I think it was a, a some kind of cassette that he put in there to tape. At the time, I can't remember, it was 2002, but everything was new. And by the time he got up to the top of that spiral staircase, 
not only did it not work, it never worked again. The camera didn't. So, you know, we're walking along. We go um, try to make our way down the first um, block. Well, our, our flashlights cut off just a couple feet in front of us. And it was pitch black in there. And you're kind of inching along because there, the cell blocks themselves were pretty dilapidated at this point. Um, I was first. Um, my sister-in-law, though my brother was behind her. So we're making our way down the cell block and we get to the end. We're almost to the end. So we're almost to the other staircase that goes down. And right when we get to the end, you can see down the next staircase. And on the next landing, I see a man walk from the runway that goes between the cell blocks. And he walks across the landing goes down the stairs to the next landing and goes back into the door of the runway that goes behind the cell blocks. So I turn and say to my sister-in-law and brother, did you see that? And they say, no, they were looking in the cells or my brother, I think, was still looking in his camera. So we go down the stairs and we get to the next landing and from the catwalk where the man had come from, the door is padlocked. So it was kind of then that I realized that I just saw someone who was not human. Um, It didn't really scare me because I was surprised, but it didn't dawn on me for so many seconds after it happened that it didn't occur to me, oh, I just have seen an apparition. So at that point, I stopped and described what I saw to my brother and sister-in-law. And I said, you know, he had a dark blue suit on. Um, a dark blue hat and he had long sideburns like like almost like mutton chops that went halfway down his face so um, they were you know they, they didn't see it um, we kind of went back uh, to the meeting room they had pizza and drinks and stuff for us at one point and you know I kind of mentioned it to another um, few people that were there nobody else had seen anyone like that and nobody else looked like that I mean he, it was very it almost looked like somebody from the 1970s Um, in appearance so I I knew I knew what it was I knew that I had seen a ghost of some part so that next day we leave and we're going home and as we're driving back to Cincinnati my brother is listening to the digital recorder that I had had in my hand we get to the spot on top of the spiral staircase where my brother's um, camera equipment stopped working and you can hear him kind of you know us going through that scenario then a few minutes later you hear my voice and I say did you see that? And before my brother and sister-in-law can answer, a voice, a man's voice is on the recorder. And he says, yes, but it's not like that. It's not like, um, it wasn't their voice and it was over voices, and it wasn't like a quick yes. It was like, yes, like drawn out. Yes. And we were just all in shock because it was the, the exact point where I saw the man on the staircase and it's marked at that point that point because I turn around and say did you see that um when we got home um a few weeks later people started posting their pictures and um experiences of the same night that we were there and come to find out uh, three or four other people's equipment um malfunctioned on the top of the spiral staircase that night on the east block so just wanted to share that story with you uh, it was a pretty incredible moment and uh, if you were to look at the website of the Ohio State Reformatory, there are some pictures of the cell blocks. And I just did this yesterday because I was actually going to send this in an in email. 
and I wanted to include some pictures of the staircase. And so yesterday morning, 12 years later, I go on the website and I'm looking at pictures. And then one picture on the website is a picture of a guard standing on the staircase and he has his officer's uniform on, which is a dark suit and a dark hat. So it's kind of kind of freaky. So thanks for um, the podcast. I enjoy listening to him at work. I just started like a month ago. Um, I have now have a job where I don't have to talk to people all day so I can listen to your great stories. So keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for calling in and uh, and sharing your story with us. Here's a thought um, about haunted places like that, like asylums and prisons and things of that nature. Uh-huh. Is it always... How do I phrase this? Is it always a haunting? Now, I know she said there was a picture there where they saw the, the image. But is it always a ghost or an entity when it's something that's draining like the power in your equipment or could there just be areas where so much negative energy has been pent up or energy in general has been pent up over the years and just anything than electrical that goes into it just it gets sucked out of see i was thinking it was draining the electrical or the energy out of the items Mm mm-hmm to manifest. Well, I mean, that that's the natural thought. Okay. And, and that's that's what we always talk about. Mm-hmm. But my thought, and I'm just throwing this out there, does it always have to be something that's trying to suck energy out to manifest? Or could there just be areas where there's just so much negative shit that's happened there, for lack of a better term, that it's not necessarily a conscious entity or anything like that. It's just energy. And it's just there. And it's just going to drain. It, like m- magnetic type things, you know, if you will. And I'm not saying this make, it, it, you're manifesting magnetic energy or anything, but just, just the energy that's there from... Are you saying a paranormal energy or a not paranormal? I don't know. Is it paranormal? If it's just there, if it's not... If there's nothing conscious about it, it's not there to manifest anything. It's only the only thing it can do, essentially, is just suck energy out of things. That's what's way. That's that's its way of saying, "Hey, I'm here." But what if it's not conscious and there's nothing there to say, "Hey, I am here." You see what I'm saying? You're saying just some kind of natural phenomenon. That, yes. Okay. Yes, that natural phenomenon that probably be the best. But what are the odds that that natural phenomenon is going to occur in places repeatedly like prisons and asylums? I'm not saying it's naturally originating there. I'm saying it's it's happened there because of the energy that's been expelled there by living, breathing people at one point in time. Or would that automatically then put it into... Paranormal. I, I think that would put it into paranormal. Okay. If it's going to tie back to human energy. Okay. But do you get what I'm saying there if it's not conscious? Yeah. But maybe it is. Maybe that's the only thing oh. it can do. Just another another thought on it. Just something else to stew on. Yeah, just to make you go, eh, maybe I don't know everything about this. Because <laughs> I sure we as know hell we don't. don't. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also write into the website at realghoststoriesonline.com.
Comet. And of course, if you'd like to support the show, we would love that. It keeps our show going, our free show that we put out five nights a week. You can become an EPP. It's only five bucks a month. You get a free bonus episode every single week and access to our archive. Right now, 24 bonus episodes go right out to you right when you sign up. So please consider doing that on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>